Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. This is the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a man who took tax money from people. Tax money was a thing they had to pay to their king. But Zacchaeus took more money than he was supposed to. He kept it to make himself rich, and nobody liked him. One day, Jesus was passing by his town. Everyone went to see Jesus. Even Zacchaeus went to see Jesus. But Zacchaeus had a problem. He was short. Everyone was in his way. He could not see. Then Zacchaeus had an idea. He ran ahead of all the people. He climbed a tall tree. He found the perfect place to watch Jesus. He could see all the people coming. When Jesus got to the tree, he stopped. He looked at Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, he said, come down right away. I need to stay at your house today. Zacchaeus scrambled down that tree. Jesus wanted to stay with him. He took Jesus to his house. He told Jesus, I want to do what is right. I'll give back the money I took to make me rich. Jesus was pleased. Zacchaeus had chosen to do the right thing. We have special guests in the service. We have all of our children. If you're a child in here and you don't usually come, raise your hand. Everybody usually comes. No, I see some hands. And if you're a young person and you're in here, we're so glad that we're all together today in big church. We're going to join in a song called Zacchaeus Was a Wee Little Man. And these kids have been practicing it and they'll lead you in it. As the... The Guitar Brigade has been practicing it. These people, Rose and Warren and Tony and Mike Culver, they all go through the nursery on Sunday mornings. You would never know it if you weren't back there. And they play the guitar with the little ones and sing. So today we're all going to sing Zacchaeus, and we hope you'll stand and follow along with us. If there are children out there who want to sing with us, run down to the front and join in. It's going to be real fast. We're going to sing it twice. With motions. Do the motions. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord. And he said, 
The praise team has officially been replaced. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about Zacchaeus. What a shock. If you'd like to turn with me in your Bibles, you can to Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. And our story begins as Jesus is walking through Jericho. Here is a map of Israel in the time of Jesus, and I left my pointer right down there somewhere. So just pretend that I'm pointing. Jesus at this time is walking from the north of Israel down to the south, down toward Jerusalem, the capital. Here it is. Thank you, Randy. Look at that. He, and can you imagine walking all this distance? But that's what they did. They walked. And then down here, right by the Dead Sea, right up here is Jericho. And the people knew Jesus was going to be passing through, and a crowd had started to gather. In a few days, he would be at Jerusalem. Where is it? I can't read these things. There. There's Jerusalem. And that would be the last week of his life. So when we see him here in Jericho, in this story... It's toward the very end of Jesus' life. People wouldn't know that, but they had heard of him, and they all wanted to get a look, maybe even touch the hem of his garment, things like that. One of those people was a man named Zacchaeus. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, Luke says. And as we just heard in the song, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but since he was a short man, he couldn't because of the crowd. How does it feel when someone tall is in front of you? Isn't that frustrating? And you have to move this way and that way to try to see. And so Zacchaeus decided he would run ahead of the crowd, run ahead of Jesus, and climb up in a tree that was called a sycamore fig tree so that he could see Jesus as he came that way. Here's a picture of a sycamore fig tree. Doesn't that look like it would be fun to climb? I would climb it even if I weren't too short to see. And then here's a picture of the fruit that grows in this tree. These are not the same sycamores that we have here. They grow a fruit that's like a fig, but it's smaller, and it looks like that. Raise your hand if you think Zacchaeus had a little snack while he was waiting to see Jesus. I think he might have. Now, I love that Zacchaeus wanted so badly to see Jesus that he went to great lengths. He went out there in this crowd of people, and he climbed a tree. But the people in the crowd were not that impressed with Jesus, with, uh, with Zacchaeus. They did not like him at all. In fact, they hated him. And I don't use that word lightly. Hate is not a pretty word, and it's not a word you throw around, but it fits here. They really hated him. I wouldn't be surprised if the people in the crowd were not intentionally blocking Zacchaeus' view 
just to get back at him. Why do you think they hated him so much? The first reason is because he was a tax collector. The Romans ruled a huge part of the world around the Mediterranean at this time. And in order to support their vast government, they had to take in lots and lots of money from all these areas that they ruled. And so one of them was Israel, which was called Judea at the time. And they did something called tax farming. The government would go out and they would ask people in that area, who wants to collect the taxes for us? And people would raise their hand, I'll collect them. And they say, well, who will collect the most taxes for us? Because we need to have lots of money to run our government. And whoever promised to collect the most taxes won, and they got to be the tax collectors. So Zacchaeus was one of the people who said, I'll collect the most money for you. But the government didn't pay the tax collectors. The tax collectors had to charge extra from all the people. And they took the extra for themselves, and that was their pay. And the Bible says that Zacchaeus was wealthy, so he took a lot of extra. He was good at his job. It also says he was the chief tax collector, so we also know he was good at his job by that. He was the boss of the other tax collectors in the area. The other reason that the people in the crowd didn't like Zacchaeus is because he was a Jew. The people who lived in Israel were Jews. They were God's chosen people. They had come to this promised land long ago. And they all were supposed to bind together and worship God and be one people. How could one of their own people betray them and work for this foreign government and take their money forcibly using these cruel Roman soldiers to enforce it if they didn't want to give them all this money? It would be like if the neighborhood bully had a lemonade stand in your neighborhood. What if a bully had a lemonade stand in your neighborhood and you walked up to buy a cup of lemonade that was worth about 10 cents? But this bully hired one of your best friends to sell that lemonade to you, and that friend was charging you $10 for a glass of lemonade. And if you didn't pay, he'd sick his big, mean dog on you. That's probably how the Jews felt a little bit about Zacchaeus being one of their best friends and betraying them, being mean to them. In addition, the money that he took up, the Romans would use for things that the Jews disagreed with, like building temples to pretend gods, gods that weren't really God, and paying their soldiers who were so mean to them. So you can see Zacchaeus had a lot of enemies. And as a result of the life he had chosen, Zacchaeus was wealthy He was very rich, but he was not happy. Maybe once he got what he had worked for, he realized it didn't really satisfy him. It didn't really make him happy. Someone did an experiment once, and they asked a bunch of people, how much more money would you need to be happy? And on average, the answer they gave was, I would need $10,000 more, and then I would be happy. And when those people got $10,000 more, they went back and talked to them again and said, Now, are you happy, or would it take more money to make you happy, and if so, how much? And on average, they said, well, if I had 10,000 more, I'd really be happy. And on and on it goes. Did you ever save up for a trip or a toy or a video game, and you finally got it, and it was good for a while, it was great for a while, but pretty soon it wasn't enough, and you needed something else? Zacchaeus was like that. 
He was a businessman at the top of his game, but he was not happy. We can also tell that Zacchaeus was lonely. He didn't have friends anymore, did he? He betrayed his friends. And because probably of these sad things about him, that he wasn't happy and that he was lonely, those things actually worked for good because we can tell that his heart was open in some way. His heart was ready to see Jesus. And he ran ahead of the crowd, climbed up in a tree, because something in him was tugging at his heart, making him want so desperately to see Jesus. We call that prevenient grace. It means the grace that goes before. We can't take credit for wanting to see Jesus ourselves. We can't take credit for deciding on God because God loved us first. The only reason we know to love God is because he loved us first and he has opened our hearts to him. We do have to do the final choosing of him, but he's the first one to make a move. So there Zacchaeus perched in that tree. He was rich and he was sad. He was lonely and he was longing. And then Jesus came along. And the Bible says that when Jesus reached that spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down here immediately. I must stay at your house today. What a surprise. Do you think Zacchaeus expected to be seen? There were all these people all around, throngs and crowds of people. And when Jesus walked by, he looked straight at Zacchaeus, that one person, and said, come on down because today I'm going to your house. So you know what Zacchaeus did? He jumped down quickly, and he welcomed him gladly. One Bible says, with joy. But contrast that to the whole group of people standing there watching this happen. They did not like it at all, and they began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Reminds me of the story of the tax collector and the Pharisee. Both of them praying to God, one humble The tax collector was humble and knew he was a sinner. But the Pharisee believed he was not a sinner. And so he was proud and arrogant when he was praying. And his heart was really not open to God at all. Did you notice in the slide that first thing is that Jesus looked at Zacchaeus? How do you think it would feel if Jesus stopped, if he was here in his body, in his flesh... And out of this huge group of people, he came right up to you and looked at you in the eye. How would you feel if that happened? Would you feel ashamed? He knows everything about me. Would you be excited? Would you be surprised? Well, go ahead and be all those things because Jesus is looking you in the eye right now. He's always looking you in the eye. 24-7, he knows where you are. He's got you spotted. He's looking at you, and he's talking to you, and he says, come on, we are going to be together today. What are you going to do? Are you going to jump down and say, well, let's go? Are you going to stay up there in the tree, just a little distance away? God notices you all the time. He knows if you're hurt or sad or lonely or unhappy or happy, whatever it is. God never overlooks a single sparrow. A sparrow is the most 
common bird there is. Nothing particularly special about a sparrow. God never overlooks a single sparrow, and he pays even greater attention to you. Down to the last detail, he knows how many hairs are on your head. When you go home, I want you to count how many hairs are on your head. See if you can figure it out. God knows. One of the greatest gifts that you can give anyone is to give them your attention. To look them in the eye. Put down the iPhone. Pause the iPad. Turn off the TV. Put away the game. And look a person in the eye. Listen. Notice them. That's why we teach children when they're having a conversation to look them in the eye and speak back and listen. It shows that you value that person. My puppy dog is the best one I know about this. When we come in the back door, we have two dogs and they can't wait to see you. And sometimes I have my arms full of groceries or other bags and all I want to do is get over to the counter and put them down and I ignore them. And then later they'll come back to me all excited again and they're still looking at me waiting for me to notice them. And they don't stop until I notice them and bend down and pet them and say, I see you, I see you. And then sometimes this one, Savannah, even after I've noticed her later on, She'll just stare at me for no reason. And she'll keep staring. She'll do it for 10 minutes until I finally look at her and say, what do you want? It means a lot to be noticed. It means a lot for someone to look you in the eye. When Jesus noticed Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was so full of joy. He hopped down, came at once and welcomed him gladly. The people in the crowd just grumbled because they were focused on how mad they were at Zacchaeus. But Zacchaeus was joyful because he was focused on how much he needed Jesus. Do you go around in your life focusing on the things that make you mad, the people who've hurt your feelings, the things you're not satisfied about, the things you think should be better in your life? Or do you go around focused on how much you want to see Jesus? It makes a complete world of difference because Zacchaeus got to be with Jesus that day. The crowd got the tiny satisfaction of agreeing with each other that Zacchaeus was a bad man. And that's not a very great satisfaction. So Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus into his home. It means that he, he didn't just welcome him into his home. Zacchaeus also welcomed him into his heart. And that means, sometimes we don't know what that means. What does it mean to welcome Jesus into your heart? It means, I believe you, Jesus. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that what you say is the truth from God. And I want to do what you say and be like who you are. That's what it means to welcome Jesus into your heart. So Zacchaeus welcomed him into his home, opened the door to his house, and he opened the door to his heart. Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and he with me. Eating with somebody meant to sort of have a very intimate time with them. You only ate with people that you trusted and cared about. So Jesus knocks at the door of your heart and he says, will you welcome me in too? 
One way we know that Jesus, that Zacchaeus did welcome Jesus in is through his fearless generosity. He didn't just say, yeah, let's go get together. Let's go do lunch, Jesus. He didn't just say it. It wasn't just words. He told him what he was going to do. That shows us that Zacchaeus turned around. He turned away from his sinful ways. You can't just say, yes, I agree with you, Jesus, and nothing about your life changes and think that you're with Jesus because you're not. You're still all by yourself. To receive Jesus into your heart, you have to become more and more like him every day. That's how you can tell that you have Jesus in your heart. And so Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody, I will give them four times what I have taken from them. He was basically saying, I'm going to give away all my money. Now this is a man to whom money meant everything. He spent his whole life getting money, keeping money at any expense. He didn't care if he hurt people's feelings or if he hurt people or if he lost friends or anything. All he wanted was to get money, and he was successful at that, and he got lots of money. But as soon as he experienced Jesus, his desire changed. He no longer cared about that money. What would bring him joy and satisfaction was to give the money away. Half of it I give to the poor, he said. Not a tenth, not two tenths, five tenths, half of it. And all the rest of it I'm going to use to pay back everybody that I've taken from. Four times what I took from them. Now he knew as a Jew in the Bible he was only required to give back one and a fifth of what he had taken from someone. But he decided he'd give back four times as much as he had taken He was really filled with the love of Jesus. It reminds me of the rich young ruler who we see the story of in the chapter right before Zacchaeus in Luke, in Luke 18. And the rich young ruler went to Jesus and he said, Master, what can I do to be saved and to have eternal life? He wanted to live forever and have a great quality of life. And Jesus said, well, you know the commandments, don't you? And he said, yes, I know the commandments. And he said, I've followed the commandments since I was a little boy. Don't murder, obey your mother and father, don't lie. All those things, I've always followed the commandments. So he thought he had it in the bag. And Jesus looked at him and he said, you still lack one thing. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. So one thing, he had to give up what mattered most to him, more than Jesus mattered to him. And then he said, the other thing is you must follow me. When the young man heard this, he became very sad because he didn't want to do it. And he knew he wouldn't. He was a man of great wealth. And that wealth held him back and held him down. Jesus looked at him and said how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It doesn't have to be money. It might be something else that matters more to you. That's the point. Whatever matters more to you than God matters to you is your little G, God. That's what you've put in place of God in your life. Test yourself. Think about it. What is it that matters most to me in life? Would I be willing to set that aside to let God come into that place in my life? Am I willing to let my children not be the most important thing in my life? 
and let God be the most important thing instead? Am I willing to not let my job be the most important thing and let God be the most important thing instead? If you do, everything else will flourish. But if you don't, you're all alone and you can never make it work. The truth is, we have to decide to let go of some things if we want to grasp the hand of Christ. If this hand's full of a big old candy bar and this hand's full of a wad of cash and you need to cross the street and hold someone's hand, are you going to let go and cross the street safely or are you going to risk it on your own? What are you going to do? God makes us choose for ourselves. He makes the first move. He's knocking at the door. That's the prevenient grace. But he says, I stand at the door and knock. Not, I stand at the door and karate chop it down and barge in. Zacchaeus got it. For him, it was a no-brainer. And for us, it's a no-brainer too. What we gain is far greater than what we're holding on to. What we're holding on to is so little. But we don't see it. The Bible says to ask God... And he will provide you with more than you could ask for and more than you can imagine. Our minds are so small. Our expectations are so low. What we're reaching so hard for in this life is just nothing compared to what God wants to fill you with if you'll let go and go with him. I can't explain it to you today. You have to believe it by faith. You have to walk with him. You have to experience it in your life, in your heart, in your spirit, in your being. A joy, a satisfaction, a fulfillment that's beyond description. And that is eternal life beginning now here on this earth before we go into eternity after this life. Maybe you've opened the door. Maybe you've gladly, joyfully let Jesus in. And maybe every day you're becoming more and more like him. I hope so. Maybe you hear the knock and you're hesitant. Maybe you've opened the door, but you're sort of gradually closing it on God and not even realizing it. That's where a lot of us are, where a lot of us stay. But today, I want to invite you to choose again or choose for the first time to receive the invitation because Jesus is looking at you from where you sit as a spectator. He's looking you in the eye and he's saying, come on down, because today is the day that we're going to be together. And you will be changed, and you will find joy, and you will follow me, and we will walk together. So I invite you in this time, we're going to sing. I invite you to come forward if you want to surrender your life, if you want to accept that invitation, answer the knock. For the first time, for the thousandth time. And let's each one of us do it every single day. We must. My grandfather was a preacher and he said every day I decide again to follow Christ. Every single morning I get up and I re-decide. I invite you to come if you want to pray with someone. And I invite children or anyone else who wants to sing with us down here to come on down. Because we're going to sing and then we're going to end with a prayer. And then we'll be finished for today. But won't you stand as we sing.
to Jesus I surrender I surrender all. Because he's here. He has surrendered all for you. He did it first so that we could follow and live in a beautiful communion with him. The best friendship you'll ever have. Go and surrender. Answer the knock on the door of your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.